In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Uh, today, we have a very special guest, Paul. I'm going to pr- try to pronounce it correctly. Shapui from OnQ Technology. Did I do that correctly? Or is it that oh, was awful? It's good. It's enough. good. Hey, in North America, that's a, that's a great pronunciation. I'm good with it. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us, Paul. Appreciate it. Before we get started, do you mind uh, just kind of telling our, our listeners about what you do, what your company does? And, and uh, we'll go from there. Sure. I'm the founder and CEO of OnQ, which is a retail display company. We're based here in Silicon Valley, and we produce a lot of the retail displays for many of the tech industry giants. We do work for, you know, Nest and Square and Tesla and Apple and and, uh, Google and on down the whole list of Bay Area companies. It's a really interesting business to be in because even though it's in retail and even though you know, we produce physical things, we're working alongside with some of these really neat companies that are trying to figure out how to articulate what their product does or what their brand is about from you know 20 feet away, five feet away, and so on. And so it's a really fun company in the sense that it's there's some design work, but we still get to actually put a physical object in a box at the end of the day and uh, have a sort of a tangible side to it. And I'll just add in one more little tidbit, and that is um, because we're in the middle of a Bay Area, in the middle of the Bay Area, and as a, a retail display company for those types of customers, we end up being probably the number one a display company on the planet that's pressed to come up with new, interesting, innovative things. And so 17 years in, we've we've got this kind of wonderful front row seat to the challenges that many of the tech companies have had in how to market their products in retail and how to tell their stories and integrate uh, technology. And uh, that's given us this wonderful perspective on the problem. And uh, of course, that's has spawned all kinds of wonderful solutions that we've come up with for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, Paul, being in the industry for as as long, and you know, enabling and empowering you know retailers, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen, uh, you know, over the past few years? Uh, of course, I know right now we're in the middle of a pandemic, but over the last few years, and 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 customer and consumer behavior. Well, you know, obviously, there's macro shifts like the move to shopping more online or doing more research online. But I guess one of the things that we've just seen retailers really struggle with is keep up with how other how people shop and and i think reviews are probably one of those elements that we know just about everybody that buys a product that's worth more than a hundred dollars you know relies on reviews of some at some level and actually I'll, I'll even add in some of the irony of reviews reviews on the amazon side were really invented to compensate for the fact that a, a person couldn't touch or try or talk to somebody about the product. So the next best thing is to ask what the other 100 people who've already bought it thought, right? And that's so quickly sunk into our mindset that within a span of about 18 months, we were in a scenario where even if you were in a physical store and standing in front of a product, you wanted to know what the reviews were on it. And so that's one of those elements that has come into how people shop and is a really tough thing for retailers to respond to. Like, how do you 
satiate their desire for information like reviews and like rich content, set up videos and so on when somebody's standing in a store in front of a product, right? And so that's really something that we've been spending a lot of time on. Of course, you know, the whole buy online, pick up in store, buy, uh, buy online, deliver to house, all of that stuff is secondary to kind of what we do. What we're really trying to do is help retailers and brands keep up with what a customer wants standing in store and make that experience fantastic. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. I know there's been a you know a bunch of changes you know recently that we've seen you know stores you know retail stores go through, but just generally you know the the market go through. Are there things that you think uh, technologies that you think or changes in general that you think are going to be adopted uh, you know at a faster pace than the, than they have been in in the past? Just given the how times have changed a little bit. Yeah, it's, you know, I think the function of retail has changed, you know, pretty dramatically, right? And this is all speeding it up. I mean, retail historically had just been a distribution system in the most naive way, right? You know, I put something on the shelf and you come and get it off the shelf and buy it. No, that was the retailer's role was just really to physically put an object there and have someone come get it, right? And that's changed pretty dramatically. Retail now is about uh, being informed and have a great experience. It's about connecting with that brand. It's about you know so many more things than just a simple simple distribution. And I'm really invigorated and delighted by that because that actually means in the world of retail displays, you know, like it's not just putting a product on a shelf. It's like creating this really interesting experience. And, you know, in a sincere way, asking, asking, like, okay, from 20 feet away or five feet or 10 feet or engaged in this display, engage with this brand or these products, what is that experience like? And it's just so much more fun <laughs> to, to build displays like that. And so answering your question directly, like we're, we're seeing it go from just a, a way to get things from a manufacturer to a person to something that's just much deeper than that. It's a, it's a place of entertainment, experience, education. All of those things are overlaid on what was just a pretty naive uh, transaction. And, I, and I've seen I've, I've seen your technology live, so I, I know like it's funny because I'm I'm one of those hard consumers when I want to do a lot of research and all that good stuff. And and definitely seeing your product in action, it accelerates my my learning and you know my desire to, to shop right then and there. So I think uh, you're absolutely correct. It creates that right experience for me to want to want to buy. Some of the things that, you know, of course, some retailers get right, and I know Omnichannel is a buzzword, but some retailers get right is, you know, having that online, offline convergence and being able to get that education and all that good stuff. And, you know, some retailers uh, don't know how to do, don't get right. What are your recommendations on making sure that, you know, retailers create that, you know, that experience where they can converge those two worlds uh, effectively? Well, you know, the whole, our, our Converge team, jumping on your, your uh, the, the word you threw it, the, so we set up, set up a team called Converge four years ago, and they're dedicated to figuring out how to make these amazing, rich content experiences in retail. And interestingly, it started actually after we, we got a collective tour of the Qualcomm office down in San Diego for a very early version uh, look at some of the AR and VR stuff they were working on. And the thing that really struck me about the whole uh, AR headset is the device itself is cognizant of what you're seeing. It's it, it's paying attention to what you're doing and then adding to it. And we came back from that that uh, road trip and kind of said, like, how do we? Right now, one of the sort of broken pieces of interactivity in retail is many people just kind of cut a hole in a box and put a screen in there, 
And yeah, it's got some information for you, but it's not paying attention to the fact that retail is kinetic, is is physical. You move around. And if you're going to bring technology into that experience, how do you do it in a way that the technology knows what you're looking at and pays attention to what you're doing? And you know, one of the flagship products that we're working on now and, and has been rolled out to a whole lot of super interesting retail environments in, in around the world is our converged platform. And basically, to way oversimplify it, we put an iPad in a beautiful enclosure on a rail and we use either the backside camera or a strip of little um, RFID tags so it knows where it is in physical space. And either one does solves the problem of having the device pay attention to what you're looking at and basically participate. So that for us has been this this uh, really exciting thing to explore. Like, how do you make an interactive experience at retail something that isn't just a reheated version of you know what you get on an iPad at home, but something that's like more that it, it acknowledges you know you're physically moving around the store. You might be with somebody else shoulder to shoulder, and if I'm looking at this product and I want to move to the next product, I shouldn't have to start my search over again. I want that thing to know it's still me, right? So that was kind of a long-winded way of saying that on the retailer side, one thing retailers need to do is figure out how to make interactive experiences re- in retail, not just an iPad on a stick, right? That's not actually, that's not appropriate. And then secondly, I'll just add in one more little tidbit. One thing I find, whenever you're doing interactive experience, you have to figure out how to have that thing know who that person is and be able to follow up, right? I find it amazing that you know I can walk into a Best Buy and spend 45 minutes with a store associate buying a TV and I can tell them you know have this conversation around how light the room is how, how my, what I watch I like sports you know all my preferences and it was like okay let me think about it and I walk out and they're like oh he's gone right like it's like you know everything about me and you know what my, my intent is like you we just have to figure out how to take that retail experience and connect it back to something and so I think the two big things for retail, one is to make those experiences genuine in a, in, by using the physical environment as, as a, an asset and not just adding an iPad to it. And secondly, to use that technology as the breadcrumbs to connect the dots on who their customers are and how to serve them better. Do you think, uh, Paul, is there, you know, within that experience of, you know, the interactivity is there a role for, uh, you know, the mobile phone, the phone that you have in your pocket? Like, is there any sort of, and I know your technology, you know, for our listeners, if you could kind of explain how that works with your technology, but is there a role with that mobile phone? Yeah, so I think a mobile phone is a, it's an excellent transaction tool. It's an excellent, uh, it's an excellent way to keep things that you want to come back to later, but it's really not a great, it's not a great research tool and it's not a great object in retail. Like, I'll tell a funny little story on this. Like many retailers have used like QR codes on the price tag to say, like, if you want more information, you know, click here. And if you look at that, like if you just sort of digest that, basically what the retailer is saying is like, we're, I know you drove to our store to come see this product and parked and came in the door. And now you did your sanitizer and your mask and you're standing for, and we're so willing, unwilling, we're so unwilling to give you even three bullet points. We want you to have to use your device and your bandwidth and your you know, connectivity in this metal box of a store to look up the information on the product that you came to look to come see. So that, see, that doesn't make sense. It's the retailer's responsibility to present all the information about a product in a really interesting, engaging way. 
And I see the phone as the right way to either do a transaction or send that information to yourself for later, but it is not a research tool. It's not, not the right tool for that. We try to encourage retailers and brands alike across, around the world like, hey, take that responsibility on of making sure that the information that you want to tell somebody about a product, that's your job to do in a really compelling way. And then, yeah, let's use the phone as a way to follow up with them or know who they are or have them hand off that experience to come back to it later or do a transaction, you know, tap to pay. But it doesn't make sense to have someone come into a retail store and now have to look at their phone to understand more about the product they're standing in front of. That's one great uh, anecdote there. But are, are there things that retailers should avoid doing as they're creating these in-store experiences uh, for their brands? It's funny. Like if I look at things like kiosks in-store, it's kind of sad, right? Like you're supposed to, it just hasn't been thought through in terms of how you shop in that environment. Like in most kiosks, basically, you're supposed to go to the section wherever you buy the thing. Let's say you're buying a printer figure out which ones you want, and maybe it'll say, learn more, order it on our kiosk. And now you're supposed to leave that section of the store, go to somewhere else in the store, remember the SKU information, and then start putting all your personal information in this public terminal, right? Like, that doesn't make sense at all. And when we started asking, like, how did kiosks even get in the store? Like, how did that even happen? And for the most part, it's, you know, it was some C-level request to make sure that the entire extended inventory is available in store. And so someone basically took a computer and put it in a metal, metal shell and shoved it in the corner and said, check, yeah, that's done. But it wasn't done in a sincere way. Like it's true, you can go to a store and order something from their .com, but that it, it's not a connected experience. And so I think, you know, one of our cautions is omni-channel doesn't mean a retail store with a dusty kiosk in the corner. You haven't connected your inventories, right? It's something that's just much more liquid. And as you're shopping, you get all that amazing rich content and things that go with this product or expanded assortment, but it's got to be contextual to that that shopping experience. You've probably seen a lot of in-store experiences. Uh, Do you have a a few favorites that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, you know, I love uh, basically any experience where the technology is core to making that process just much more liquid and much more pleasant. But the technology itself isn't like just there, you know, to sort of, well, I'll give an example. I'll just jump to an example. I think Apple stores do a really, really nice job of it, right? They, they have a lot of that stuff embedded in the counter. They use uh, in a very comfortable way. You know, the transactions are really uh, seamless. And the, just being able to get a receipt and so on, it just sort of magically all comes out of the table. And I think that's a really nice example of somebody who spent a lot of time. And actually, uh, of course, a lot of that was pioneered by Ron Johnson, the original founder of the uh, Apple stores, who uh, proudly, I will say, we actually had just a couple of months ago come and speak to our staff and uh, extend a group in the building. He's a, an amazing man, a brilliant man, and very inspiring to listen to. But um, it, they've just done a really, really nice job of having a ton of technology there, but it's not front and center. Their product is front and center, and that technology is supporting a great experience. What's your favorite uh, store to shop in? The answer is going to be a funny one because it doesn't actually have a lot of technology, but at, at a pure shop level, I'm a Costco fanatic through and through. When it comes to just buying things that don't require any additional info, right? So like, you know, like when you're buying a, 
bone in roast. <laughs> like I don't need any more information, right? So from a very basic, just put stuff in the cart level, I, I'm a huge Costco fanatic through and through. And uh, we've also helped them. We actually manage a lot of their Apple stuff and we've helped them with that experience as well. So I'm not impartial. And I think they've done a really nice job of making their technology stuff all work in a really nice demo environment, but still fit in with their overall vibe. And so I'd say from a really media level Costco, and of course, as many people would answer from a slightly more technology level, I would say an Apple store for sure. Yeah, Apple store does a great job. I also like, uh, you know, Nike as a good way of, you know, blending in technology with keeping their kind of brand promise and, and centricity there. So yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Nike fan as well. I love going to those stores and seeing what they're doing with technology now. Of course, not now, now, but you know what I mean? <laughs> what are some key takeaways that you have for retailers as they design an in-store experience? What, what should they be thinking about? This is a really core question. And it's one that oddly, many brands and retailers just don't spend enough time thinking about. Like what from 20 feet away, from five feet, when you're engaged, like, what do we want that person to take away? What are the top three? And especially for brands, really hard, right? If somebody is, even if somebody isn't going to buy it today, what's the three things we want to, we want to have them walk away from this experience as, as remembering? And it just forces people to have to distill things down to their essence, the core of what they're trying to get to, and then just highlight that. And I think a lot of pop-up stores and a lot of branded stores do a better job of this than you know general retail and that's because they most and i think nike is certainly one of them they have the freedom to be able to actually make the tough choices of like what core things of our brand do we want somebody to to leave this experience with it's super hard to do it's super hard to be disciplined enough to not dive into the utilitarian side of, you know, like, well, how, but how many more SKUs can we put on the shelf? Or wouldn't it be great if we carry these four things as well? It's like, yeah, really just staying core, staying really true to the, the, the basic principles that you want to get across for your brand. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, kind of going back a little bit, I think it starts with knowing your customer as well. Uh, and if you don't know your customer, figuring out who your customer really is and, and what that customer wants and needs, and then be able to tie that into a more of a brand strategy and then go from there and build that experience. But I'm with you. I think uh, a lot of retailers don't don't answer that fundamental question of who my customer is in, in general. Paul, what do you think are some, uh, what are some technologies that you think were adopted faster than expected here in the US over the coming years? Well, you know, we've, we've seen so much interest right now in things that are touchless. And obviously that's because of course, we're worried about touching things and so on. But uh, we've been working really hard to develop a very, very interesting technology that allows us to control basically any screen from your phone. And that's got a lot of traction. Of course, we're working with you, with you and your team on that. Super excited about that. Incredibly excited about the idea that all of these screens that are out in retail right now, if you look at the TV wall in a, in a Walmart or a Target or a Costco, they're all just pushing in one direction, which is okay. But you're not really using this amazing tool to be able to sell the product, right? It wouldn't be nice if a TV could do a better job of selling itself. Well, to do that, you have to be able to have the TV answer whatever question that customer is standing in front of. And you can't just do that by playing a loop. You have to really, just like in a conversation, stop and make sure you know what that person wants to find out, right? That's one technology that I'll go into a little bit more, but anything that has to do with allowing the in-store experience to be a lot more two-way and ideally to do that in a way that minimizes the amount of contact. I mean, right now, there's just a ton of interest in all that stuff. 
are you excited about it? And I know, of course, uh, yeah, at Anki, you guys are doing some exciting stuff with tech, but are there technologies that you think will have the biggest impact on shopping here in brick and mortar uh, in general? But, you know, if you had to take a you know, stab at it and just specifically in the retail side. Anything that can help connect the dots for a brand or retailer of who that person is. It's funny for all the conversations about omnichannel again, like I'm a totally different person on most online companies than I am in store, right? And it's just like, I'm actually the same guy, I have the same interests, you know? And I think just a lot of work has to go into that. Of course, you've got lots of privacy concerns that you have to be very careful of, but it has to be done in a way that in a very worthwhile and respectful way for the customer allows me to get more information or, or allows me to, to figure out which product is just right for me. I'll give one example. and We don't, we don't actually do uh, any work for Sephora, but I'm, I've always been really impressed with them and how they've done that in a very, very clever way. And they have one of the highest app penetration rates of any retailer out there. And that's because they're, they've got their customer kind of in this mindset now that it's to their benefit, whether they buy something in store or online, to be able to kind of put that all into the, the rubric of who that person is. And I think that's really something that we, I'd love to see more and more and more retailers do, you know, just figure that out at a fundamental level. I think, you know, preference-based stuff, like, I actually think, uh, why is there not more, you know, uh, companies doing this? But, uh, you know, kind of learning preferences, I actually welcome ads and, you know, information and all that good stuff about new products that align with my interests. And it's funny how many companies have so much intelligence, but they don't use it to be able to sell more to the, to the customers that actually would buy more from them. It's crazy to think. Well, Paul, thank you much uh, for your time today. Is there anything kind of last thoughts that you want to leave uh, our listeners with? I'm just really enthusiastic about retail, even in the midst of this crazy pandemic. Uh, fortunately, this company, has, we, many of our clients are doing really, really well. A lot of the mass merch guys are doing really, really well. And so as a company, we, you know, it won't be our best year ever, but uh, I can proudly say I'm not affecting the salary of a single one of the people here. And we're going to keep going and uh, we're going to keep dedicating a sizable portion of our uh, profit to research and development and, and this I, i'm this place has become you know this amazing hotbed of new interesting ideas and, and things for retail and i uh i'm just so darn in love with retail and want to see it succeed we actually just we're in the middle of just changing our tagline to for the love of retail <laughs> yeah i want every retail experience to be a fantastic experience and we're really driven as a, as a group to try to get there that's awesome. I got to come visit your uh, your office. I've heard a lot of uh, innovative stuff happening in there. So got to visit you one Good day. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you, Bobby. Pleasure to uh, join you today. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.